hope that everything you and your team has done in that moment will work out as planned, right? Because that must be the scariest part, right? When you're on that walkie-talkie going three, two, one, it must be a, a huge element of trust is what it comes down to it. It's a nightmare, actually. It's a nightmare. When I give the start, like three, two, one, go, I cannot do nothing after that. I cannot do anything after that. It's, I just have to let, let go, and it's really difficult. Life is an interesting journey. You never know where it'll take you. Peaks and valleys, twists and turns. Welcome to your next chapter. Regardless of what chapter you're in, success begins with taking ownership of the life you have. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Taking back your life begins with understanding what mindsets you're operating with. In this podcast, I deconstruct the mindsets of coaches, entrepreneurs, and social influencers to provide you with the skills and mindsets to own and dominate your next chapter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's show. If this is your first episode, well, welcome. Today's guest is Mark Amerigo, and I am super excited to have him here. Mark Amerigo is an engineer. He's the lead engineer for the mountain bike downhill record. They have the record at 227 kilometers an hour set by Eric Barron. And if you can imagine, this guy is on a mountain bike and all he's wearing is a helmet and he goes flying down what looks like the Alps, basically, in the middle of winter on a snow path and he gets 227 kilometers an hour. And so safety is integral in this because if Eric goes off the bike, he will most likely die or suffer very severe injuries. And so Mark Amerigo is the guy that ensures his safety. He leads the whole engineering team behind this. And so this man is super fascinating. He runs a thing called the Brain Shift Method, taking chaos and turning into harmony. He's an international speaker. He spoke, he's done a TED Talk in Toulouse. He's been hired by companies like Coca-Cola, BP Oil, ExxonMobil. His resume just goes on and on. And I am super excited to have him on this show. This conversation was amazing. It went to places I did not expect it to. And so without further ado, here is Mark Amerigo. Mark, thank you for joining me and my audience today. Thank you, Philip, yeah, for having me with you tonight. I believe you're joining us from France, so I appreciate you taking the time of your busy schedule to join us from France. How are things uh, going in France right now for you? Actually, we've got a very great uh, weather here. Uh, sunny. It's like California. We are in the south of France in, uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. and uh, So a very nice place in Marseille for the one who knows that place. Well, I'm jealous, I'll tell you that. It's... Uh, we're definitely quite not in summer weather here yet, but we'll get there. I want to start off by asking you uh, the question that I lead off most of my podcasts with, and uh, I prepared you for this. What, If your life was a book title, what would be the title of your book? For the book of my life? Yes. Um, I think that would be something like um, Shift Your Brain, um, to go from chaos to, to performance and harmony, something like that. Actually, it's been like, yeah, it's been like uh, uh, the whole story of my life has been to see things different all the time since since I was a kid. Um, yeah, I think that would be the title, Shift Your Brain. Why Shift Your Brain? You said like from a kid. Have you basically, since ever since you can remember, has that been something that you've tried to do in your life where you've been shifting your brain around? Or why would you title your life that book? Oh, for one very simple reason, every time I, I see a situation or I have to deal with something, I always, most of the time, 
try to think different, see how I could do, do it different. And since I was a kid, I was always a historian. It started with the fact that I had to wear glasses when I was a kid, and I wanted to be an astronaut, um, and I couldn't do it because I was uh, in the early 80s uh, and end of 70s and had to, to wear these glasses every single day. So I couldn't do what I wanted. So I had to find another way, see things different. And uh, so it's been like part of my life every day. Interesting. That makes complete sense. And so for you, I want to get into a little bit about what you do and start off. You recently were part of uh, a team. You were the lead engineer on the mountain bike downhill record with Eric Barron. And I believe you guys got to 227 kilometers an hour on a mountain bike, which is unbelievable because basically this guy is only wearing a helmet. And I'm guessing if he falls off the bike, like he would either die or have extreme injuries. So talk a bit more about this project and what your role is in it, because I found it very fascinating when I found out about it. Um, so oh, actually we've been working um, uh, with Eric for like 20 years. We started in 97 together. And um, Eric is, um, is a great biker. He's been he's in piloting a bike. A mountain bike actually started it started like 20 years ago and i had to find a way on um, how he could go faster being safer um on his bike uh, because the speed at that time were about like 200 kilometers an hour and now we are about uh, 228 so that makes a huge difference and it's a lot about technically how you make it but also about the team how you lead the team and eric to be in that kind of special mood uh, to be able to break a world record and be engaged and committed that much. Um, so my role in the whole story is um, about the engineering part. It's uh, to have the best bike ever. So the bike is like a Formula One. It's uh, a very low. Uh, um, it's uh, about 85,000 euros uh, that the cost of engineering, research, uh, carbon parts, um, and all these things, and prototypes part, prototype parts. And so I had to, to deal with how technically you built such a bike, able to and make it safe, and also how to deal with the people to bring the whole team in that kind of mood that makes that uh, Eric was comfortable or ready to make it at, at, at his maximum potential. So my role is engineering, team leading, and also at the start, I, I'm the one who's... Uh, with the walkie-talkie, giving the start and putting the helmet on. And and so how do you make a bike like that safe? Because I feel like if he falls off, I'm curious to know, at that speed, there's going to be some very serious injuries, if not fatal injury. And so what do you have to do? Because the video I've seen, like you guys are basically on mountains in the middle of winter, and you guys are flying down snow, and it's unbelievable the amount of speed he gets. Like if he hits something that he's not supposed to, I can only imagine that there would be an extreme situation that you wouldn't want. So how do you make that bike safe enough for him to feel comfortable to take on such a feat? Yeah, so first maybe uh, the environment. So we're in the mountains. you got one track, which is it's a ski track. That's where they, they break the world records, uh, which is about 255 kilometers an hour. So the mountain is like you can go straight down from the top. It's uh, long, about 1.5 kilometers, and, and it's all flat. So we use groomers that make it like as flat as possible. And with the team and Eric, what we do, we push it further and we make it uh, even flatter. 
using GPS uh, technology. And, and so we assist the groomers with these GPS uh, embedded uh, sensors that help us to, to build it very, like on a very regular base to make sure that there's no bumps or as little as possible. And so the environment is like as safe as we can. So that's the first point. And then it's all about having a bike that is uh, very reliable, very stable, uh, very strong also, because uh, when you're at the speed of like 220 kilometers an hour, even the smallest bump is like a huge amount of energy. So we have to deal with it. Um, so the technology and the engineering and calculation help us to build a bike that is really reliable for Eric. And so at that point, everything will be based on his ability to pilot the bike and um, control it from the top to the bottom. So it's a, it's a, all these parameters has, have to work together. And the slightest uh, mistake uh, can have like really bad consequences, as you said. Uh, I cannot fall. It's not not permitted, not allowed. No, not allowed. And that's my 100%. my job is to make sure that it doesn't fall. You know. Right. So it's a nightmare, actually. It's a nightmare. When I give the start, like three, two, one, go. I cannot do nothing after that. I cannot do anything after that. It's I just have to let let go, and it's really difficult. And hope that everything you and your team has done in that moment will work out as planned, right? Because that must be the scariest part, right? When you're on that walkie-talkie going three, two, one, it must be a, a huge element of trust is what it comes down to. It. Yeah, it's it's uh, on both sides. Um, Eric has to trust me so much because uh, he's ready to go. So if I say that it's all fine to go, so he has to rely on me. So that's a huge amount of trust. On the other side. Um, I can give a start because I know him so well. I know that he's a tremendous pilot. He's an amazing pilot. And so you can see on the video, uh, if you go on, on, on his website, uh, fr, you will see the video of the, of the world record of uh, last March. And you can see how at the very end, after crossing the cells, you see how he has to, the bike going sideways. And because of his skills is being able to like keep control of it and because of the bike keep control of it so um i trust him on my side also so much uh, but when we give the start when i say go that's his part now so i'm just like saying okay uh just do it <laughs> that's the only thing to say just do it just do it i love it the nike saying just do it exactly i mean that's so true and one of the things that you did during the last world record is you were when we chatted last time you were measuring the physiological stress and i believe it's called what you were measuring was the hrv stress and so talk a bit about what you found because i think you had a, a few different people on the team that had special jackets or vests where you were able to measure stress levels and what did you find, what connections did you find throughout that day that were fascinating and interesting to you? We started with the idea of um, measuring Eric. That was, uh, we, we knew that this time, this, this record that uh, we attempted uh, this winter was the last one. So Eric uh, decided to stop with uh, going straight down because we are at the top of the mountain. We cannot go higher. There are no other tracks in the world. So and the technology is so high now that... Uh, we did. We did. Uh, we did the best we can, and so now there is another story. So that was the very last uh, attempt, and um, so we wanted to know exactly what Eric was feeling and was he was living 
on the bus during during the during the world record. So we contacted um, um, research guys, uh, and they told us about a kind of T-shirt which is full of nano technology, and um, it gives you heart rate, mm -hmm. um, breathing rate, yeah. and volume of, of breathing. And um, so we said, okay, let's look at Eric, but let's let's look also at the team because something might happen actually. And so that's what we did. And we were five to wear these T-shirts. And um, we found that that the stress, the HRV stress, which is uh, about the viability, so it's a heart rate viability, mm -hmm. uh, this is highly connected to our emotions. So when you are like at a high stress level, the peaks go high and, and the same when it goes low. And so what we've seen that the whole team is highly connected together. So we could see that uh, at some point, each time there was something special. So let's say, let's say we arrive at the top of the mountain and we have to make sure that there's no wind and we are stressed up. And when we get there, there's no wind. So there is an open window. High stress, low stress, all together. Even the guys who were not there, even the guys I was, I was talking to on the, on the walkie-talkie. So we were, we were all aligned with our, uh, our, our uh, heart viability. And so it's a, it's a whole research that we started it. We started with, and uh, with science, scientists, and uh, we used shirts that they use at NASA. So that was uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun and uh, very surprising, very impressive. Is that like the beginning of like measuring like groups and how interconnected we are? Because you know, there's a lot of um, thoughts and ideas around how we're interconnected and we're one of the species. And so, is that like science basically showing how we are connected, especially when we're doing such a specific event? that basically there's now science to back showing that energetically we're not operating alone and isolated rather we're much more dependent on groups than we might realize so i, I gotta tell you a story about that which is which is really amazing um you know david brower right uh the sensorial guy um david is an amazing person um david is able to help people to just discover or rediscover our senses, like and our emotions, and um, and during the day when when you go and and you you spend this day with David and like twenty other people, just find out how we are connected to others and how uh, highly we are connected to our senses. And so I met David like two years ago, and six months ago I said to David and also to Eric Baron, I told them, hey guys, what do you think about trying to connect our our team we are already a kind of small tribe and then we got like 20 people 30 people coming with us on site um, but we are like a core and then we add people around what if we created this kind of evening with the whole 30 people together and spending time with David Eric and me and trying to connect people together and David said okay let's try it and Eric said okay why not let's try it so that's what we did in end of January. That that was the first attempt in Vars, in this place, in the in the ski resort, and we spent that evening. And just the day after, we were supposed to have like two days of world record attempt that failed. We didn't have the good conditions, so we had to postpone it. But the day after the this evening with David, um, I could feel that my level of management and my my pressure, my management pressure on the group was really lower than usually. 
like everybody was interconnected, acting, uh, being ready to do anything, and things were easier. And when we said, okay, we have to postpone it like for six full weeks before the next window, for the next attempt, everybody was like, okay, that's part of life. Um, okay, fine. Let, we, we don't have no choice. So nobody was excited. Like everybody was like, okay, that's part of it. Um, that was surprising. No excitement, no special like anger. Six, six weeks later, we come back there for the attempt. We spend one evening brief. I make a whole brief with everybody. And we make some kind of exercise like David. And I could feel that everybody, everybody was again interconnected. And with the shirt on. And one thing was interesting. I chose to give a shirt to one guy who was not part of the group. And he was a photographer, a sports, extreme sports photographer. Sorry, just so back up for a second. I was in the group. I gave him a shirt. Yeah, because it cut out for a second. So you gave a shirt yeah. to somebody that wasn't in the group, right? You basically was a photographer. You gave him. So was, somebody that was not in the tribe, there was one person, the photographer, you just gave him an extra shirt is what you're saying. Outside. Yeah, got it. Yeah, it was exactly. It was outside, outside the group. Mm-hmm. And I gave him a shirt. It was the fifth person. And so what we, what we could see on the on the curves and the, and, and, the, and this HRV uh, uh, stress uh, of, of the sensors mm-hmm. was that the four people like Eric, me and two other guys who were highly connected at each single key point of the, of the day mm-hmm. and this guy was like happy and uh, so, so, so joyful all day long that there's no, there was no connection we were not interconnected he was so happy to be there and he was like high level all the time up and down up and down up and down and uh, that was very interesting and one other point, so he was disconnected from the group. And other point was in the morning of the world record, I, I created, I made a brief very early with Eric uh, to put everybody in the right mindset. So that was 5.25 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we could see on the curves of the, of the heart rates, was, every curve was falling down. The stress was falling down just because of speaking to the others, speaking to the group, we could see that uh, the people were just calming down and, and being together. And so that, that's like a, an act of management. And we could read that on the, on the paper. And uh, that's very impressive because I, I didn't think that that would, that would be that powerful. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, that to me, because I've always believed that we're all interconnected, right? And the fact that there's now science showing that and how the one person, the photographer from the group, was had completely separate data from the four or five that were within the group. That to me is super interesting. And, and the guy, the photographer told me, oh, you know what, Mark, I spent two days. That was amazing to see this group and see how it works. And wow, that was great. Thanks a lot for inviting us. And I was like, oh, cool. So we might see something interesting on, on, on the shirts also, you know? Yeah. And when I saw that, I was, I was like, yeah, he was excited, but he was not tuned, tuned up with the group. He was not in harmony with the group. I was so it's so obvious you can see it so it's it's really intriguing really intriguing that's super interesting and so one thing speaking of david yeah i do know him, i had him on the show here um he wanted me to ask you he's like and that was a great question he's like so he, you work in these hyper masculine technical chaotic environments like nuclear plants and he, he wanted to know like how are you able to keep bringing like emotional and sensorial intelligence into these very chaotic environments because it seems like you know, yes, you have the engineering background, but you're also looking at it from a very different standpoint where you're looking at the stress, you're looking at the interconnectedness of the group, you're looking at those relationships. Like, 
what do you think like is that just how you're brought up like what allows you and why is that important to you like why are you looking at it from that lens because it's not a lens that i believe everyone's looking at things from is what it comes down to it um yeah good question david thank you <laughs> um what i see uh, from my engineering background so maybe that helps me to to switch on that other side which is like for 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 many engineering guys it's like the bad side, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about performance is like being centered on technology, on high performance, on uh, accountability. Um, you want to make sure that everything is like really under control. Um, and I found out that in some very special places, and also in very extreme places, the part of human connection and human emotions is really powerful, and it helps you um, to get out of really bad situations. Um, imagine that you're at the moment where things are really going wrong. Um, the best way of getting out of the, of the situation is to start breathing. So if you're like with an engineering approach, you will say, okay, it's chaos. Mm-hmm. First thing that we have to do is like check everything up, you know, check point A, B, C, D, checklist and see what's wrong and how you're going to uh, solve it. Okay. But before doing that, you need to be centered. You need to be like really in a peaceful mindset that makes that you're able to do it properly and find, find and feel the best answers to the, to the problems. And um, so in these, these different environments, I found out that between like extreme sports and also nuclear plants and industrial like stressful environments where I work in, mm-hmm. um, it's the same whole story. High performance, like re- breaking world records or doing something that has never been done before in the industry. That's what I'm doing in nuclear plants. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like leaving tomorrow for a place where it's, it's the case. We're going to do something that has not been done before. Um, and to deal with that kind of situation, actually you have first uh, being performing technologically. So you need, uh, of course, you need to have like high skilled people. You need to have the good technology, right choices, schedule, control that stuff okay that's the entry part that's that's uh, you have to you cannot uh, avoid that you need that that's the the first point you need to to check okay but on the other side which is as much powerful i think as the first step is to make sure that people are connected to what they're going to do um you want to do great great um uh jobs and great resource without people people being concerned or being connected highly connected to the main purpose and to the others um and to go to that you you actually you need to 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 go step by step and you cannot avoid that um so that's that's why i've been working on this uh, brain shift approach which helps uh to build it up um so uh to come back to to david's question um emotions are are the key of success of course, you need technology, engineering guys, organization, but with no emotion, you will miss the point. You will miss the high success. You will miss the world, worldwide uh, and unique uh, results that you expect. I'm really, I've seen that like in all these fields and it's, uh, it works this way for sure. But why is that? Why? Because we live in a world that's so logical and rational. And I would think your engineering world would very much fall into suit with that, where a lot of people would say, 
emotions are weakness and they will, if anything, disrupt you from making the right decision. Why do you believe that emotions are so fundamental to having success, like getting the world record? Because, you know, from a logical standpoint, it would make sense if you took out the emotion, that would probably be better to not have them in a downhill record because all you want is science and logic and that's it. High skills and high technology and um, everything set up, you can make world records. You can. You, you will be at a high level of, of performance. Of course, you will be at a high level of performance. But the point is that to, to deal to great performance and make sure that you will get there, you cannot avoid emotions. And that's why today the industry is like finding out that maybe there is another way. So like mixing the approaches. Uh, in the past, um, you didn't have any like process written down. Everything was uh, oral, talking to each other. Nothing was written down. Right. And things were not that bad. I mean, we could do like achieve like huge monuments and huge projects and huge things that we don't know how to do it now. No. And everything, nothing was written down. Um, today, we want to write absolutely every single point. Everything has to be written down. And when you do that, actually, you make people get away from the main goal and the harmony of working together because everything being written down, everything thinks, okay, it's written down, it's fine. Like writing an email, you send an email. So yes, it's written down. I sent it to you. So it's your part now. I, I did my job, so I don't have to deal with it anymore. And you lose communication and you lose connection. And it's a disaster. Um, the best the best thing you can find is uh, to deal, and that's what I like, um, I have the legitimacy of being an engineering guy. So people listen to me. So I come with technique, a solution, and they are, the client is happy because he doesn't know how to do it, and I find a way of doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so people people listen to me. And that's where I think there is like a small window where we can get in. Um, so there is the technology, the technical solution. And in the meantime, when you get in with emotions, people are like first saying, um, what are you talking about? We don't, we don't want emotions here. <laughs> Forget it. Uh, we want something else. And after only a few minutes, when, you, when I speak about that with like people in charge, after like maybe just like five, five minutes, no more than that, I can see the eyes like opening up and people were like just like not open at all to, to emotions, like asking questions. Oh, what you're saying? Uh, yeah, why not? How do you see it? Um, what could we do? Um, what do you think about we can do? What, what can we organize to, to, to get to that point? Um, why not? And it's only after five minutes. And it's really, it's really impressive because people are ready to it, ready to do it, ready to, to open a little bit to emotions because that's part of us. That's part of any of us, uh, even the highly technical environment. And when you explain to people that, imagine that you get in this extreme field in a nuclear plant where you don't really want to be, you know, or in some asbestos removing project where you really don't want to be. And when you tell them, um, imagine that you, when you go there in the morning, you join your tribe and you join high connections with people, the environment won't be the same anymore. 
So you will be there with others in a mission, in a difficult environment. Yeah, okay, it's difficult, but we are together. We are And that's why I try to get in and put through the technical solution, get emotions in, and it's, it changes the story. And, uh, and the job is different. Um, that's, that's really, really impressive how you can bring a team to another level just by going through these emotions and making them like uh, possible, available, accessible to anybody, you know? Right. And so I want to get back to this, but there's something I want to pick, bring up here first. At the beginning, early on, um, before we started recording, you said that um, you're really good at building something from scratch and taking something from nothing and creating into it. And so I'm curious to know more about that process. Like what makes you good at taking something from nothing? Because it sounds like you're going to situations and kind of out of the chaos, you know, creating something. How, what are you doing that's allowing you to create that something um, or from that nothing into something interesting or remarkable? Um, I will make the parallel with a situation that we all know, which is uh, this feeling we can have some time of chaos. Um, in our life, like private life, it can be our professional life, and you're at the point where you're like stuck and uh, you don't know how to get out of the situation. Right. Uh, you f you feel chaos. You, you don't know what to do. Actually, you're lost, and you have your reptilian part of the brain who's playing and making you uh, unable to move. You're you're just stuck there, and uh, and that's like something that we know, like being right there in front of a lion mm -hmm. so the reptilian part of your brain is just like making you i mean it decides for you you, you don't know what you're going to do i mean uh you might just stay there and just like wait for it to go away or you you might fly away you don't know or you might fight back actually that's that are like the, the three main actions that you you're going to make um when you're in chaos um there is a kind of way out um the first thing is that nature is really well organized. Chaos is just like a shape of nature, a, a, a way of a, a way of being. Um, so that means that if you look at it carefully, just like looking at it, you don't analyze, but you just step back and look at it. And if you, in your mind, you know that there is a way out, there are some signs of solution somewhere, it changes the story. You know, right. so first of all, just step back and look at the situation. Just observe around you. And the brain is really well done and well organized, very powerful. It will interconnect the informations that you get. So you see something or you see someone or you see some action, you will be able to use it and interconnect things. And that will show you a way out. It gives you a vision. A vision comes from there. A vision is like, I have informations, and from there I built something new, like a new story, a new, uh, a new future. And um, so this first step is like first step is getting a piece of vision, like a tiny piece of vision, and it gives you like some kind of inspiration. You know that maybe there we there might be some light at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. and maybe maybe there might be a way out of the chaos. And that's the first step. So you get you get some piece of, of confidence. Second, so that's the, I would say, the shift your brain starts. That's uh, what I like. 
<laughs> see it from a different angle. And uh, from there, there's a second step, which is about innovation. So you have some idea of where you want to go. You know better your environment. And so now you can innovate and you can find potential solutions and also find feasible solutions. So you know about creativity, you know how to, there are many techniques to, to, to think about new things, new solutions. And so you have like a bunch of pieces on shelves, like I could do that, I could do use that, I could do this. And that's the second step, innovation. And the, the third step, actually, you get more confidence, okay? You are the first step chaos, then you get some piece of confidence because of, of a vision. And then you have like some tools available through innovation, so you get more confidence. Next step is the best, maybe. Start influencing your environment. You use your tools, choose your tools, and start acting. So you use your tools and you influence your environment, and so you, you get some results. You get some like tiny, but it's positive. You get more confidence, and it's like positive, more and more positive. So you perform start performing and you find harmony when all these things work together observing by stepping back innovating each time you can and using it right right after that you get tremendous results so that's the first step that's how you are like very performed i like at the highest level in pure performance first step shift your brain and then the second step is about bringing bringing people together how you make people work together how you create this kind of people like I are highly effective, highly powerful in what they do in their job. So that's the second step. Create create your tribe. That's what David likes to do. That's what David likes to do. Create create a tribe. Like make people able to inter interconnect. That's 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 really, really impressive. He's great you at No, know, you have a tribe yourself, Philip. Yes, I have a tribe myself. And even like I've been adding pieces to my team. Like I recently hired an editor because for me, I'm like, how do I make my podcast more efficient? And there's parts of it that I don't like or enjoy. And one part of that is being on the editing side. And I know there's people out there that love to edit. And so for me, it's like, how do I now, I'm looking at different aspects of like, I want to keep growing and developing this, but I need to be able to build a team around me because I only have so much time and I know I can only leverage myself so far. And so part of that is realizing, recognizing that there's certain people I need to bring on board to really be able to take and ship my podcast to a much higher level is what it comes down to it. Right, right. And you can do that by, by, by making people like so interconnected because when you have, you, you reach this kind of, of level of, of connection and so you create this kind of tribe, um, things like magical things happen. Um, you got one major thing, which is a real problem in, in our society. When you when you see uh, people uh, in politics uh, in the U.S. or worldwide, is the ego. The problem with ego is that it kills every high performance, group performance. So when you have a tribe created, actually the ego just disappears. So you don't have you don't need your ego because the group. Um, becomes the most important thing and the purpose of the group becomes your your main achievement um, so your ego just disappears it goes away and on the other side some other thing which is uh, quite important is that the, um, the group is like uh, self-regulated uh, you don't need that much management 
anymore. Um, like uh, for the Papus, uh, the Pygmies also, um, those guys have a chief in charge okay, of the tribe, the whole tribe. And then when they, they start and they leave and they work as a group, um, they work together without anybody in charge of the management. So we are the only one to have managers, but those guys don't have any. Um, so it's quite quite interesting to, to, to see that. So you imagine that in a tribe, the management is lowering and actually the managers and the leaders can be part of the operational guy. They can be on the field, closer to the field, which help them to make right decisions because they are connected to the reality. They are not disconnected. Um, so you, you see like this kind of special effects in a tribe that make that people just like make it make things happen and uh, and you reach uh, more and more performance. Um, and people are happy with that. Um, so it's it's really been beneficial for, for the for the whole project. So you, you could do do that on, on your side for your project, your own project, of course. Start building more of a tribe, you mean, and getting more people to take on different responsibilities, is what you're saying. Yeah, and, and, and with the same goal. And um, the, the, the key thing in that stuff is that um, uh, the common goal becomes more important than, than the personal goal. As soon as you reach that point, that makes a whole difference because, because everybody will put his whole energy in helping achieving the main goal the collective goal um so the ego disappears and everybody is like pushing the same way that's what i could see in different different places you know in the industrial environment uh success comes from this kind of environment high success when i when i say success you you can always success when you are well organized and with procedures and process and technology most of the time you achieve your goal but with so much energy you know, right. The whole difference is there. And so the big, the big focus is to ensure that the tribe has the exact same objective. And if they're all focused around that same end objective, then the ego drops away because it doesn't become personal anymore. It becomes more about the objective of what needs to happen. Yeah, but I would turn it around, um, saying that you don't actually you don't. Um, make your tribe uh, see a collective goal. Actually, um, what happens, uh, it's the other way around. You create a tribe. So when you have your tribe, you cannot make mistake. Uh, of course, the leader will choose and we have a vision which is in accordance with the tribe. Of course, what you will say will be in total accordance with every single people of the tribe because that will be like some a whole piece together that decides that they're going to go there, you know? So it's more the consequence of the energy of the tribe than the, than the opposite. See what I mean? It's not, I, it's not that you decide to bring your tribe to a place. It's that you decide to say, okay, let's create our tribe. And you um, discover people and you make people get in and you have great feelings and you have high connections. Mm-hmm. And then the story will be the consequence of this tribe. If you choose another tribe, you will be you will go to some other place. You see what I mean? Right. So the whole energy and the balance of the whole group will make the future of your decision. Interesting. You won't force that. And 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 the process the process today in the industry is to decide 
for the tribe. So actually, you decide and you impose something and you will make people un unhappy with, with, with the goal. If you want to make something which is in harmony with nature and the true nature of who we are on Earth, the tribe will decide the future. The energy of the tribe, the connection, and what you create will decide your future. So how... So for the tribe to continue being self-motivated and moving in a direction, who, how does it decide what it is? Like, do you just start with a common collective and then the tribe as it accumulates will discover the direction? Because what I'm hearing you say is that it's not about saying, and let's just give it specifically, let's say I want more millennials to go after the life that they want and pursue a life that they love, then it's more, it's not about making that objective. It's more about finding people that are in the circle and believe in what I stand for. And then as we build our tribe, we'll figure out what it is that our end goal and direction is. Yes, exactly. You fill the blanks. You will fill the blanks after the tribe is created or when you create a tribe, when you create, you choose the people, choose millennials or whatever. You get them in. As soon as you get someone in, that will influence your result and your approach and what, what, you, what you will become. So it's like you have a vision. You want to go there, okay? So let's say that you, you have one project which is whatever, a world record on, uh, on having um, 100 millennials on the top of Everest in one single day, okay? That's, that's one, one project, okay? Right. And so you want to do that. Your tribe will decide, will make your path to go there. You don't know how you're going to get there. And that's because of people being interconnected and the way they are connected that you will make a right or make a left and then make a right or make a left and then make a left and then make maybe go up and down, but you don't know that before. Right. Because if you bring your team to be balanced, at some point, everything has to be in harmony. And that will, the result will be, the story will be amazing. That's why we say all the time, what's important is not, always resolve, but the, the way you get there. And that's, uh, that's what we've done, let's say, in the last world record. The story, on, the story behind the, this 220, almost 8 kilometers an hour, the story behind that is amazing. It's like so powerful. And, uh, and what happened was, was the result of who we are and how we are interconnected and how David came in and helped in, in building it up and how Eric was so highly motivated and concerned and relying on the team. And uh, so it's, it's a whole balance between people interconnected. And when I, I, I work in, in, this, in the industry and I had a, a, an experience like two weeks ago in, in a nuclear plant for the project where I'm going like uh, this weekend, um, that was a preparation. And, I was. I had this group of like 20 people in uh, in the very center of nucle the nuclear plant, um, training them on a, on a, on a new technology. I, I was training them, and at some point I had to like brief them again because something was wrong. We were not like acting the right way, and I had those like 20 guys uh, breathing, eyes closed, in the very center. of of the nuclear plants, like at the bottom of the building, uh, reactor building, and listening to the birds, you know. <laughs> I, I would have loved to have one picture of this, 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 this moment because all these guys with me were just like calming down and reconnecting together because that was wrong. That was not going the way I wanted, you know. 
So we had to like reconnect together. And we were in like the most, not the most hostile, but like not that far, but really not a nice place to be. Right. And we did that exercise like for a few minutes. And uh, so it's all about how you bring those people to create the energy and the connection that will bring you to where you want to go and yeah. where you all want to go, where the whole tribe want to go. You, you get that you get that point where, which is about uh, giving you uh, the possibility to make it through the team and through the energy that you build up through the collective yeah and that's that's not part of uh, that's not part of the industry we don't know about that at all because everybody is is a number you know mm-hmm. if, if you have a profile you go on LinkedIn and you choose the same profile and you imagine I mean the industry Imagine that you just like switch, switch the guys, and that will make it. So easy, so stupid. <laughs> doesn't work. Doesn't work this way at all. Doesn't work this way. Right. The guy who will get in will change the curse of the story, or maybe he won't be happy and happy. Maybe he won't help in getting in reaching the the goal. Interesting. And so I want to just quickly talk about branch of it. I think we talked a bit about it earlier, kind of the idea from chaos to harmony. You, you talked about it, but I'm definitely having shifts in my brain going on as we're speaking right now. But you run a program called Brain Shift. What is Brain Shift? Just talk a little bit more about it, and you can even draw back to what you chatted about a little bit earlier. But just share a little bit more about that for people that don't know what it is. Actually, what you can do is uh, you can have a look on the on the website, on my website, which is uh, uh, mark-amerigo.com. And uh, there is a page uh, about brain shift with a uh, with a drawing. When you see it, uh, those three acts, three three pieces. Um, as I said, suppose that you feel like being in a chaos. Just think about those three parts. The first one is like, okay, I know that nature is well organized, so I can't find the signs. The signs are right there, just in front of me. I just have to find them. So step back, look around. Just observe the environment and your brain will help you and will give you a kind of vision, a kind of way out. So just as soon as you get that, you know that you get confidence, you know that there is a way out. So that's the first step is shift your brain. Just like get out of this chaos uh, blockage, like cannot move. Um, So you find kind of inspiration. You don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know the path to go to the vision, but there is like a way out. Mm -hmm. So that's the first step. Second step is really innovation, as I said. Find the tools. Create your own tools that are connected to your situation. So it's about thinking on how you're going to use new things and how you're going to use what you have around to uh, to create those those personal tools. And the last step is uh, using the tools, uh, which is really exciting. Exciting because you, you go from one place where you can't move to a place where you influence your environment. You are the one who's like changing the rules. You are influencing what's around you through your own tools, through these new tools. So the tools that can be technical tools, can be a new organization that can be getting people in, as you said, in your team, all these tools. And um, as soon as you, you do that, you start influencing the situation. Of course, you start performing. You have some tiny results and then better results and then high results. And you get performance and uh, harmony comes from this balance of like watching around you and being like with new tools and being actor of your life. So that's brain shift approach. 
But this friendship approach is, I would say, highly technical when I, when I explain it this way. What you need to do is like always put emotions at any point of it. Emotions are part of us. That's, uh, that's what make, makes us alive and what makes us uh, take decisions uh, more than our brain. Our, our cortex is just uh, 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 not that strong uh, uh, compared to our emotions. Our emotions are, make us uh, uh, make decisions every day, every single minute, even if we don't want it. Can you hear the church here? I can, I can definitely hear the church, Ringing. though. Yes. It's uh, <laughs> that time. Very close from here. Nice, a nice, a nice church. Nice church. Excellent. Well, I do want to be uh, respectful of your time and uh, start wrapping up. Is there any final thoughts that you want to uh, leave the audience or people with regarding anything we've talked about or something that you is on your mind that you want to share before we start wrapping up here? Yeah, I will say that um, emotions are part of us, any of us. And um, in any situation we can feel, um, we need to learn, all of us, we need to learn how to deal with our emotions, how to use them, how to rely on our emotions. Um, because it's not just for ourselves, it's, just, it's also for the others, uh, because everybody is interconnected through emotions. As soon as we accept to show some emotions, we touch people, we interact with the others. So even in high technical fields, emotions are part of our everyday life and it's so powerful and just one thing for the engineering people or technical people it's not because you use your emotions that you use your emotions that you lose your technical abilities i was scared about that you know i was like okay if i make a right and i use emotions what about my skills i'm gonna be bad at it because i would be like too emotional and i found out that that's it is the total opposite. Emotions today are as strong as my technical skills. I use both, and they work together extremely well. So it's it's possible. So do it. Just use it. Use your emotions. And so, like when you, because you've worked with companies like Coca-Cola, Exxon, BP Oil, like when you go in there, they probably hire you more for the technical side. Do you always bring emotions into the field? Is that just a part of what you do? Oh, I'm actually I. I really have fun with because I really have fun with this approach because I get in through the technical side. Okay, so they hire me because of my skills, uh, technical skills. Right. I help them technically, uh, and that's why they hire me. That's why they want me. Um, and when I get it, uh, okay, I find a solution. Blah blah blah. We have uh, like process. Blah blah. And at some point, I'm like, uh, okay, guys, I, I have a proposal for you. What do you think about like? Uh, giving a speech uh, because I'm a professional speaker, uh, international speaker. And what about giving a, a speech to uh, to the people here, like for about a, an hour, and then like talking about emotions, and uh, maybe create like a kind of tribe here with about like 100, 200 people, like who are starting uh, a new project. And uh, from there, we might have like really surprises. What do you think about that? And people are looking at me and uh, like, um, are you serious? <laughs> what are you talking about? And after after, after a few minutes, uh, they said, do that. 
and I said, okay, um, what kind of room do you need? When do you think we can do it? Uh, really at the start of the project or like maybe two weeks later? And, and we built it up with the guys. And so uh, I'm doing that uh, at the moment in uh, two different places, in uh, places you, you cannot imagine that you, you, you deal with that, you know. And uh, the, the industrial guys are, are quite open to it, really open to it. I'm, I'm really surprised because uh, they bounce back uh, saying, okay, let's do it. And, uh, and really big, big industrial groups. Um, so there's, there's a big future for that. I'm, I'm sure. I just see it. I see it. So uh, I'm, I'm using it in the industrial environment. I'm really using it, pushing, pushing, pushing. That's amazing. And uh, would there be any books you'd recommend if somebody wants to get more in touch with their emotions or any books that have had an impact on you? Is there anything you could recommend for people when it comes to reading? Um, I think that's, there's one book uh, was written like uh, 10 years ago, uh, which is Tribal Leadership. Um, it's interesting because, uh, it's about, I would say the basics of it, but it's, it explains how our societies are structured in five different levels and with the highest level being the one that I described. Um, uh, and it's, it's really interesting because you, you, you can make the parallel with, uh, uh, agility in the company. But um, it gives you like good basis, so it's tribal leadership. You can find it e easily on Amazon. Uh, so it's 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 a famous book. Um, yeah, I would recommend this one if there is one to recommend. Awesome, amazing. Thank you, Mark. If people want to find you uh, or get more information about you, where is the best place to track you down? Uh, to track me down <laughs> um, in France yeah, somewhere. Track me Track me down. Um, you can come to Marseille. That would be my pleasure to invite you and, and visit the place here, and go snow. I mean, uh, windsurfing or sailing or whatever. Um, yeah, you can find uh, some information on mark-amerigo.com uh, on the internet, and also on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Um, you can find me easily. Awesome. Uh, there are not too many Mark Amerigo, so it's easy, easy. No, there certainly isn't. And after talking to you, yeah, you're definitely one of a kind. Great. I will um, link out all those um, social media and your website in the podcast notes for the audience and anybody who wants to uh, reach out and connect. And Mark, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to sit down. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. And hopefully we'll have a chance to meet in person one day. And maybe there'll be a 2.0 conversation at some point in the future. But I definitely want to say thank you for the time. I, I enjoyed that. Thank you, Philly. That was a great Great moment together, and uh, thank you for your questions. Like, very interesting on how you mix um, some kind of technical approach and also some kind of personal development, uh, uh, which is really important for you. Uh, so I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot, Philip, for the invitation. That was great. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Mark Amerigo. I fucking love that conversation. I'm not going to lie to you. It was amazing. And so there's so many good points. Mark really stressed emotions at the end, right? Really understanding that it's important to understand your emotions. Our emotions, we can never separate them, right? Even if we go into the office or a work environment, we take our emotions with us. The thing is that we're always taught to turn them off or pretend they don't exist in those environments, which is just not the reality or the right way to do it. And so emotions is a key thing, and I feel we stressed a lot of that in the conversation. The one thing that I really do want to highlight is Mark's brain shift method. 
based on what he said, because I think there's three really integral parts to it that have so much value and information. That was the part that really had me thinking and mesmerized during the conversation. And the first thing was looking at your environment, right? If you're in this chaotic situation, or if you're starting a business or you're doing something and it's not working for you, like Mark said, the our environment has information and it's in harmony. If you look at an ecosystem outside, it might look like there's all this dead stuff and weird stuff going on, but really there's harmony in our ecosystems. There's top predators, there's lower predators, and there's things that feed that. And so we have to understand the environment that we're in because there's so much information in it. And that's what he was saying is like, look at the environment for inspiration. Even if it's complete chaos, there is harmony in nature. And how do you find information of data for you to start moving forward there? And from the second part was innovation. And it was creating your own task to be able to get out of the situation that you're in and understanding what tools are available to you and looking at the environment and seeing certain possibilities that weren't available or you didn't see before because you weren't looking at it from that point of view because it's about utilizing the tools that we have. There's so many tools in 2017 through the internet, through social media, through our networks, through so many different things that we can reach out to people and connect and different things that we can access. So what are those tools? How can we start innovating solutions for ourselves? And the third, the final thing is where we get the harmony is using the tools from our environment to start moving in direction. And like you said, it's about getting some results and seeing some progress and having some data and making sure those numbers are moving in the right direction. If they're not moving you in the direction you want to go, then clearly something's not working because the data needs to support what you're doing. But it's always looking at your environment for answers, for solutions, because there is harmony within the chaos and it's about piecing those things together and so i found that very profound a little bit more abstract and higher level um not unusual for my uh podcast but for maybe for some people listening and so amazingly i just think it was a really insightful conversation and the fact like mark said he is an engineer he comes from an engineering background and companies hire him for the logical solutions but he always brings that other side to it where there's more to it in the emotions and the connection of the group, things that are so undervalued in the world of emotional intelligence because we just place so much thought and value on rational thinking. And that's one thing Steve Jobs said in his book or his autobiography, that one thing he learned from his trip to India was the amount of emphasis and value placed on intuition and emotional logic. And he says the Western world's great at logical and rational thinking, but not enough emphasis on that. And so it's interesting to hear somebody like Mark talk about that, who comes from a very engineering background and works in nuclear plants, has the world record for the downhill mountain bike record, but piecing all that together and taking a different vantage point. And that's why I had him on the podcast. And so hopefully you guys enjoy that conversation as much as I did. I thoroughly loved it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the podcast, I ask that you pass it on to somebody else who could benefit listening to it. This is how the podcast continues to grow is through you guys and your shares. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time.